0: hello everybody and welcome back to the brodo fantasy football podcast i'm not your host tim i'm your host jason today i'm here with michael week duh week duh oh tim's not here today to complain about us saying duh yeah tim had a something come up legitimately right last minute right when we were about to start recording that's two a lot of curveballs with covid this year but uh you know what can you do? We're going to hang in there. We're going to bring you a good episode. Uh, we still love the guy. We still... Eh, eh. We, we don't got to praise him. He's not yeah, here. You're right. You're right. Uh, but if you do want to hear from Tim this week, he'll be on Twitter and stuff. And he'll also have his rankings out. Also, a reminder, we do a waiver podcast for our patrons. And our waiver rankings do go out as well on Tuesday. Yep. If you are interested in waivers. Because you win your league on waivers. And as Tim always says, we're nice at waivers. So make sure to check that out. But now our focus is on week two. Are you ready for part two? Let's get part two started, baby. Let's get it started. Welcome back to the Broto Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. All right, I hope you guys won week one. That's all. That's what I want to say about week one. I hope you won. It's always nice to, look, don't panic. Before we even talk about week two, don't panic. Because when you panic, you hurt yourself. Yeah. And you know what else you hurt yourself? Look at this, Mike. I should be the host. You hurt yourself when you use a bad razor. Ooh. Today's podcast, support for the Broto Fantasy Football Podcast, is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 has a light. It is super lightweight. It is waterproof. It is safe to the touch. No cord. No cord. Amazing. Honestly, it is a great piece of art for all men out there. And ladies, if you want to buy your man something, it's good stuff. Yeah. And uh, all you got to do is go to manscaped.com, beep, boop, beep, boop on the computer and guess what? Code Broda will not only get you 20% off, but also free shipping. Boom! Literally saving like 30% at that point. And let me tell you guys something. If, if you just need a new pair of boxers or don't like your boxers, that's my favorite part of what they game Like the lawnmower is amazing, but the boxers are like the best boxers. And let I me tell you, that. they're performance boxers. So yeah. they're first sport. So if you're one of those guys who chafes a lot, you wear them when you go running or playing basketball or something like that. And you won't chafe. Yeah, so we suggest the whole package. But even if you just want to spend a few bucks on a pair of boxers, Code Broda will get you free shipping, 20% off, and you'll be living a good life. True that. True that. Now, it's time for week two. Week two. I got to say, went- you were talking about week one, how you hope everyone won. Our home league team was probably the most un-like underperforming team of all time you- in my history week <laughs> one. <laughs> Yo, worst not even week one this was michael's worst week he's ever had yeah. ever i think pretty funny and this is in our home league too which we take super seriously and like talk a bunch of shit and it's all Not that. a bad team either it's not a bad team i was on pff earlier and they had like a list of under uh underperformers to try to target and like half my team was on that list drake eckler aj brown a rob uh boston scott was trash evan ingram yeah, and as we go Holy through the moly. podcast today, you're going to hear me and Michael both talking a lot about how many snaps people played, um, stuff of that sort. The key takeaway is don't panic. It's only week one. Everyone wants to start 1-0, and but many teams that start 0-1 still win a championship. Not many people yep. go undefeated. Yeah, I'm not even sweating the fact that I lost by a lot week one with my home team because I know that it's it's actually a good squad. Yeah, I have some teams that are good. And they lost. So you know what? Whatever. I got the rest of the year. You know who doesn't have the rest of the year? Hit me. The Browns. The Browns. They do just not. stop playing right now. I wouldn't be against it. <laughs> the Browns looked awful against Baltimore last week. Now they're playing home. Maybe that'll help them. Our first game of the week is Bengals at Browns. One team with an up and coming young star. And I'm not talking about the Browns. <laughs> uh Joe Burrow showed out pretty well week one. Um that yeah, he did. The best part about his performance, for fantasy reasons, because we knew Tim was a, bit ad- a big advocate of don't start Joe Burrow. That Chargers defense might score more points on defense than the Bengals do on offense. And that was hyperbole, but he had a good premise. Chargers defense is very good, even without Derwin James, and it was Joe Burrow's first career game. He played well as a passer, but he had a 20-yard touchdown run. 46 rushing yards. 46 rushing yards. 8 rushing attempts. That's where the money is for quarterbacks in fantasy. Maybe not for their weapons, but definitely for Joe Burrow. The best part about it, too, was the fact that the 23-yard touchdown run was a QB draw. Yeah, they drew it up. So if you're doing that, then that, there's some upside there. Are you starting Joe Burrow? I think Joe Burrow is actually an interesting... Um, candidate to stream this week I think there are actually a lot of pretty solid streaming options this week same here I'm probably not starting Burrow just because I like the options yeah like I have Gardner Minshew Burrow and Minshew 19 and 20 honestly I would be okay rolling both of them out there after that is when I it digresses and I'm not as big a fan as the quarterbacks listed but up until then I wouldn't be against rolling Joe Burrow out there on a short week maybe maybe this is his first time playing on a short week right maybe it, he has he takes some time to adapt maybe he comes out rusty maybe the Browns defense hasn't gotten a great look at Joe Burrow because it's a short week and they don't have enough time to study the week one tape and he has even more success running on the ground and through the air it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun game to watch you don't really think fun with Bengals Browns but with Joe Burrow there it should be a fun game to watch. I don't hate him as a streaming option. I do think I'd be streaming somewhere else. But if you're in like a deep league where every team rosters two quarterbacks for whatever reason, because there are leagues like that out there, he's not a bad option this week, I don't think. What about? All right. I'm super conflicted on Joe Mixon this week. I know you're itching to talk about him, so I'll take it after you. But <clears throat> gear me one way. Listen, I. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I was watching The Office earlier. And it was the beginning of season four when Ryan becomes corporate, and he's the the hotshot now. He goes into the you know how much he pays for his haircuts now? Yeah, exactly that exact episode, two hundred dollars. If you don't watch The Office, <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to spoil things, but it's been out for ages. All right, he 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 joins the corporate family in uh in season four. But anyways, he walks he he goes back to Scranton to say hello to the team, and he goes into the uh, the kitchen area. And Jim's sitting there, and he's talking to Andy and Kevin, and he's like, oh, I got this haircut, and I get all these girls, I got a sandwich at 2 a.m. because places are open that late, and just talking about how cool he is now because of the new job and the new money, and Andy and Kevin are like in awe, and he leaves, and he goes, Jim, could you believe how awesome Ryan is now? And Jim is just like, I mean, it's it's Ryan, I don't, what are you talking about, and and then And he's like, tuna, tuna, tuna. And Kevin's like, tuna, tuna, tuna. (laughs) Yo, I feel like that's Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon has always been Ryan, but now they got a quote-unquote better offensive line and Joe Burrow to flash things up, and everyone coming into the season was like, tuna, 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 to everyone who didn't like Joe Mixon. (laughs) And Joe Mixon proved week one that he's just the same old Joe Mixon. The one who is not super reliable. The one who is very volume dependent. He has one game in 2017, one game 2018, and one game in 2019 where he had less than 20 touches and over 100 yards. If that's not volume dependent, I don't know what is, man. And his performance last week, he was ranked sixty fourth out of excuse me 58 out of 59 on PFF. Literally one of the worst two running backs in the league based on his performance. And Gio Bernard was in there on passing downs. Yeah. So, with all that being said, I have Mixon as my 11th running back this week. He's in a smash spot against Cleveland. You have to start him if you drafted him. If he does bad this week, I'd be very concerned because he torched them on the ground twice last year. This is a great spot. Short week, too. It's not like Cleveland. They're coming off a super embarrassing loss to Baltimore. you got to fire up Mixon. He should be in for a good week, despite everything I just said about him being regular old Mixon. I have him at 11-2, and it's because you, this is why I'm conflicted. It's Cleveland. Uh, Joe Mixon's best two games last season came against Cleveland. His two top yards performances and three out of his five touchdowns came against Cleveland last year. But here's the other part. He played the same amount of snaps as Melgo and Mostert week one. Of course he was the worst of the three. And then when you think about it, Melgo splits snaps with Lindsay for the most part. Lindsay got hurt at one point in the game. Mostert with McKinnon and Coleman. Mixon with Gio Bernard, who the fantasy world acts like doesn't exist. Mixon played 59% of the snaps, Exactly. Stop acting like he doesn't exist. Mixon is not the only running back in that backfield. The Browns' run defense against running backs was graded very well last week. So against Ingram, Dobbins, although Dobbins had two touchdowns, they didn't have a lot of yards, those running backs. But it's a good game for Mixon. It is. If he doesn't show up, it's going to be an ugly year, in my opinion. What about the wide receivers? A.J. Green was kind of looking like the old A.J. Green again. Like, you could tell it was, like, it wasn't super dominant A.J. Green, but, I mean, nine targets, the five catches, a touchdown called back on a very eh OPI where he kind of pushed off. It could have went either way. Very, very good to see A.J. Green because the number one thing, too, he got targets. Yep. Like, Joe Burrow, you didn't know what he was going to do. He wasn't afraid to throw to the outside. A.J. Green had nine targets, brought down five of them for 51 yards. And like you said, if he caught that touchdown, he would have ended with a six sixty one touchdown line. People will be a lot more hyped about AJ Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this week, he's not lined up against Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward lines up on the other side where John Ross is going to be. So forget about the John Ross sleeper. He's going to be going against, against the worst corner, the best cornerback on the Browns. Terrence Mitchell supposed to line up against AJ Green. I don't think so. It's prime time. AJ Green's probably trying to make a point. Joe Burrow's going to be excited. His first prime time game. I think AJ Green might ball out Thursday night. I don't I don't disagree really. I have AJ Green ranked as a wide receiver two this week. I agree. I think he's the stars are aligning for him to have a big week two, especially after week one where you saw this guy was being targeted early and often. And then when it comes to Tyler Boyd, Tavir Thomas, the Browns corner slot corner, gave up a perfect passer rating last week. Yes, he did. We do want to see more yardage out of Tyler Boyd. Only four catches for 33 yards. That's a concern. Five targets, though, against Chris Harris. That's exactly. That's the thing. So the yards might be a concern, but he was against Chris Harris. Willie Snead just put in work. Yeah. So I'm staying away from the other weapons. CJ Uzumo, we have to say his name. But he did have a red zone look, which was interesting. But John Ross actually led the receivers in snaps. That's what I'm saying. Against Denzel Ward, I'm not a big John Ross guy this week. I think it's going to be A.J. Green, Joe Mixon. Tyler Boyd yeah I also think Tyler Boyd is a strong start don't get scared off by last week I think I, I expect him to be more involved in the offense uh on Thursday look if we go to the Browns now Jack Conklin Chris Hubbard JC Treader Jarvis Landry Olivier Vernon Jedrick Wills Kevin Johnson Greedy Williams Mac Wilson Jacob Phillips that's 10 people all of them are either questionable or out fun four of those people who are questionable offensive linemen fun that's ugly that is Baker Mayfield threw less than 50% of his passes accurately last week. I, there's no way you could start Baker Mayfield, right? Even in yep. a great matchup. Jay, honestly, people are... Like, someone just asked me about starting OBJ this week, and I said I'd start Marquise Brown over OBJ. I'm going to be well below consensus on OBJ this week because you see the Bengals matchup, and it looks great, right? Like, the Bengals, William Jackson and company, they're not the best. They're not the worst, but they're not the best by any means. The Bengals just got absolutely gashed on the ground week one, and they were the worst team in the league against the run in 2019. This is a Kevin Stefanski offense with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt that ran 23 times in a game that they lost by 32. Hmm. I think this is going to be a huge Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt game. I think Chubb is a strong RB1. I think Hunt is a strong RB2 as well. Like I think both of them could go, could eclipse a hundred yards if all goes right for Cleveland if they're able to keep the game close and they just keep grounding and pounding the entire game, I would not be shocked if Mayfield ends with less than two hundred passing yards. I think Kevin, that's what Kevin Stefanski is going to try to go out there and do, and try to keep Baker Mayfield from being hit, try to keep him just confident after what he's what he did last week against Baltimore, some play actions and things of that sort. I don't really see him going like five wide and things like that. I think they're really going to try to go hard on the running game against Cincinnati yeah, against Cincinnati this week. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm I don't really like Jarvis Landry either who's dealing with a injury. Um Austin Hooper didn't play very well last week. Now David Njoku was hurt. So that opens some things up. David Njoku caught a touchdown last week. But I said it on Twitter, I said it on the Monday recap episode. It was a tight end heavy set near the goal line. That wasn't yeah. like a. And now Njoku's for, on IR. And now Njoku's on IR. Njoku had 50 yards week one. Austin Hooper, I can't trust him just yet. Like, I need to see more from Baker Mayfield, who has thrown for less than 50 of his passes were accurate last week. I'll tell you this. I do have Hooper as a high end tight end, two this week. Obviously, last week was tough, but he did play 77% of the snaps, and that was with Njoku playing as I well. I am him at tight end 14. It's a good matchup. It is, yes. I'd prefer to look elsewhere. I I like Jack Doyle this week, for example, over Hooper. Hmm, Interesting. Um, Just a fun fact before we move on from the bounds. Nick Chubb ran more pass routes than Hunt last week. That is interesting. Yet, Chubb had one target and Hunt had six. Exactly. I also want to say Jarvis Landry, really tough. Like, he's dealing with an injury. He was dealing with an injury week one. He played 71% of snaps. That's not really a Jarvis Landry type of snap percentage. Like, he's usually on the field 24-7. He had a rough week one. He did see six targets, but it's like... I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to trust Jarvis Landry as anything more than, like, a low-end wide receiver three. Because I do think this is going to be, like, a ground-and-pound type game for Cleveland. And not all of his catches were... Uh, excuse me, targets were catchable. We saw OBJ had five of ten uh, targets deemed uncatchable by PFF. Like, it was a rough outing by Mayfield. I'm, I, I just don't see... Any sort of heavy volume passing coming from this game? I have OBJ and Jarvis Landry both as wide receiver threes, and I even feel a little icky about that. Yeah, I think Landry's more. They of a need flush to show play. up more, man. Like, they do. They're gonna have to do something about that offense. And I'm I'm glad it's a prime time game. It might be ugly, but I want to see this offense and how ugly they truly are against a defense that's not that bad. Yeah, agreed. Next up is a Sunday one o'clock game. The New York football giants against the sh- Chicago da Bears. The Bears. Okay. Here's the story, folks. Saquon Barkley, negative mm-hmm. 10 yards before contact last week. Yep. 16 yards after contact mm-hmm. for a total of six yards. Saquon had the worst game ever. The worst performance ever for someone with 15 rushes. Ever. 15 rushes for 6 yards. 6 yards, I believe it was, right? The yeah, the last worst performance of that level was actually LT. 17 rushes 7 yards, which is pretty funny. But, yeah. Oof. That Giants offensive line. If they're not going to be able to run block for their lives, like, look. Saquon, Saquon, right? But if the dude's going to have no space every time he tries to run the damn ball, like... Is he going to be that top two asset that you thought he was going to be when you drafted him? They did face Pitt. They did. His defense is outstanding. That's a fantastic defense. Like, it's a remarkable defense. Yeah. They're going to be contenders this year, man. Big Ben, once he got rolling, looked good And that defense. But anyway, we're talking about the Giants right now. Look, Evan Ingram had seven targets, two drops, two catches. People drafted him to be their starting tight end. But Chicago was good against the tight end. Last season, you told me this just before we started recording. What uh, Not last season, right? Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz mm-hmm. were the only tight ends to have 50-plus yards against, against the Bears last year. Yep. And that offense didn't really look good. Uh, Michael Salfino also tweeted, Everyone's shitting all over the Jets. But one of these analytics sites, I forget the one he cited, Said that the Giants were worse than the Jets on offense. Interesting. Like there was a stigma watching the game that the Giants looked better than they actually did. Daniel Jones threw forty one times, hindered the game at nineteen fantasy points. Not not bad for fantasy purposes, but it did leave he did need a lot to be He had twenty two rushing yards. So you really need to rely on his legs here. Like you said, there's a lot of good streaming matchups this week. I'm not betting my week on Daniel Jones. Yeah, Daniel Jones is someone I'm definitely not. Like, I'd prefer, like I said, Burrow. I'd start Burrow. What I really want to see, dude, Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones just have a connection. Yeah, hot damn. But all offseason, we talked about how it might not keep up because there were games where they've never, so Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram have never played a game all together. But there were games where Evan Ingram was out last year. And when Shepard, Tate, and Slayton were all on the field, Slayton was the casualty. Every time three of four of them were on the field, actually. This is the first time where Slayton really showed out when three of the four were on the field. All right, there you go. So I want to see if Golden Tate plays. Because if Tate plays, Slayton might be a little bit of fool's gold after week one. And I want to see what his role is in that offense. The thing is, he's the best outside receiver on that team. Yep, Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard cannibalize each other. But Strong Shepherd had a decent Week One too on the low. Yeah, but I mean, dude, Slayton six catches, 102 yards, two touchdowns. He gets a tough draw here against Chicago with Fuller on the outside and Johnson on the other side. Two, two solid uh, cornerbacks. But Johnson actually a rookie had a had a very nice first game. Strong Shepherd also caught all of his targets, 47 yards, six catches. Six targets. Yeah, I I mean I like Slayton better than Shepard because of the long, uh, the long ball opportunity. I think Slayton's more of a wide receiver three consideration and Shepard more, uh, flex consideration. It is a tough matchup. So even Saquon I have as my seventh running back. I don't know if I've ever had him that low. Mm-hmm. They but the Bears did just get gashed on the ground a little bit by AP. So I'm just I don't I don't really know how effective that offense is going to be able to navigate against. We Chicago. should we should note. Because we started off this Giants preview with Barkley's awful running. Nine targets last week. Six catches, 60 yards. It's not what you signed up for, but he's still finished as the 30th running back. He had 10 half PPR fantasy points. It didn't kill you. Yeah. Um. So it just shows you how not at how high his floor can be, but how safe he really is. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the Bears. Uh, Bears. Anything to the Anthony uh, at... Allen Robinson trade rumors. Uh, he said today that he spoke with Chicago and everything's cool and they're going to continue working on extension and all that sort of stuff. And he's not he hasn't requested a trade or anything. So, I mean, it's Allen Robinson. I'm just going to buy into it and believe him. Yeah. So, last week I said that Mitch Trubisky was a decent start on the low because he's always had success against the Lions. What did he do? He put up 24 fantasy points. Good for the eighth quarterback. And the surprising part wasn't even because of his legs. He only had 26 rushing yards. He had that huge fourth quarter, man. Giants, another good matchup, but it's not the Lions. Mr. Trubisky for some reason, has been at his best against the Lions his entire life. You're not trusting Mr. Bisky yet. Uh, as a mid-range wide receiver, too, like more so than two. I would have quarterback, too, than I would have last week. But, yeah, Mr. Bisky's not someone I'm trying to roll out there in a 12-man league. Alan Robinson, on the other hand, look, all he has to do Is one big play, and the Giants throwing out there with James Bradbury and Ballantyne, like, they do not have a good secondary. Love and Peppers are not that great either. It's like, am I scared away by this defense? Absolutely not. I mean, Juju just caught two touchdowns against them. Deontay Johnson was targeted a bunch. James Washington caught a touchdown. Chase Claypool even had a few nice plays. And that was Big Ben not playing for over a year and coming back. So I'm... I'm firing up A Rob happily as a wide receiver one. I think he could really make up for I, I, I say down week one. He went five for seventy-four. I think he could go like a hundred and a touchdown, maybe even two this week against the Giants. I'm glad you talked about A Rob. Because I'm doubling down on Anthony Miller. Ooh. Last week I also noted that he's had his best career games against um Detroit. And funny, he scored sixteen fantasy points, ended as a wide receiver sixteen. By the way, if you go to our rankings, you can click on notes for uh, players. Very great by Fantasy Pros. They added, wide receiver, they added finish next to fantasy points. So that's why it's so easy to compare these. So you're probably going to hear me say that more often. That is very cool. Anthony Miller, 16 fantasy points, 16th wide receiver finish. Anyway, PFF has a wide receiver cornerback matchup chart. Anthony Miller, according to this chart, has the third easiest matchup in the entire league. Against Ballantine. No, against Darnay Holmes in the slot. Even better. He played 91% of his snaps in the slot last week. Darnay Holmes played 100% of his snaps in the slot last week. Holmes allowed five of six passes to be caught for 56 yards. And Miller had the most yards per route run in the slot for all wide receivers last week. Holmes is actually a fourth-round rookie. Trubisky didn't look awful in the fourth quarter. If Tim was here, he'd be like, I'm telling you, man, Mr. Trubisky, he's clutch. He might not be good, but he's cluck. I am happy Tim's not here for this one. I mean, at the end of the day, he's kind of Money Mitch sometimes in the fourth quarter. I mean, there's no denying the fact that he gets it done with five minutes left in the fourth. But you can to only get it done with five minutes left in the fourth. It's a good point. But with that said, I like Anthony Miller this week. Um, I'm firing up A-Rob and Miller again. Miller as a wide receiver three flex play again. I think they're both going to have good games. I don't hate it. Moving to the ground game, though. David Montgomery, I hope everyone is happy with his week one performance because that's what you paid for. That's what you paid for when you decided to draft him in the fourth or fifth round. The 13 rushes, 64 yards, one catch, 10 yards. Yeah. Congrats. You nailed it. 45% exactly right. snap share. You, I hope you enjoyed it because that's what he's going to be. Unless he scores a touchdown, 74 yards is probably his max, and I'm not even joking. Like, congrats on your pick for David Montgomery. I'd be very upset if I owned David Montgomery if that was considered a good game. Yeah, and it's not even like Terry Cohen had that big of a role. But Terry Cohen had seven rushes and played one more snap than David Montgomery did. Oh, all right. Never mind. I mean, I meant he didn't have that big of a role statistically. Yeah. He didn't have a good game either. Even Cordero Patterson got rushing work, got a red zone look. David Montgomery got one red zone look. Cohen had three. I'm still staying. I'm staying away from all three of them. Yeah. I mean, Monty and Cohen, I think, are flex options because it's a good matchup against uh, against New York. I prefer Monty because he could fall into the end zone. But long-term outlook, I, both of them. Tariq Cohen. Cohen had, only went two for six. Exactly. Two targets, man. Wasn't involved in the passing game much. When, like, when I say Tariq Cohen wasn't involved, that's what I mean. Two targets. And Dude. I got to say. As much as we hate Jimmy Graham, I the dude to had say, three seven, red zone looks. Seven targets. Seven targets. Was literally inches away from having two touchdowns on the day. If he's going to be that involved in the red, in the red zone, I hate to say it, he's going to have some interest just because it's a tight end position. This week, I'm not going to trust it. Same here. I mean, he still looked super old. He also, you said he could have had two touchdowns. The one that he didn't have, guy has no ups anymore. Like, yeah. he could not grab that ball. His tu- it's, cause it's funny because his touchdown was a jump ball. But it wasn't really a jump ball. It was a box out. <clears throat> yeah, he could still do that at the very least. But I think we're in agreement that we're not going to trust Jimmy Graham this week. Yeah, that's correct. Third game of the week. This one can be fun for Aaron Donald at the worst. Rams at Eagles. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to start this off with a fun fact today. Ooh. Robert Woods. Robert. Lowest average depth of target for all wide receivers last week. So that's the amount of yards he was for, for every target. Mm-hmm. Largest yak yards after catch last week. I mean, no one denies the fact that Woods is a beast after the catch. Yak machine. Yak He caught, another fun fact, he caught every single one of his targets. Boom. And what you said came to fruition in the offseason. Cooper Cup played a lot of snaps. But it was... In an odd fashion, because in two wide receiver sets, he was often off the field. He The, the Rams played 12 personnel on 20 of 72 snaps. He was on it's the a field decent amount. 12 of the 20, so actually a little bit better than last season. Last season, he was basically taken off every time, so he was more involved in 12 personnel, which you like to see if you're a Cooper Cup owner. From last week, despite the fact that it was like a down week for Cooper Cup, he's someone I'd be targeting in a trade. He seems to be very much involved in that offense even in 12 personnel so I I think Cooper Cup is someone I'd be targeting he had a red zone look as well I mean not as much I prefer Robert Woods Robert Woods even had three red zone looks Mm -hmm. and he's not someone who's like typically used in the red zone so I mean I love me some Robert Woods I think he's a wide receiver one this week against Philly that Eagles defense it looked solid against Washington but guess what that's Washington whoa we've been on the same boat today I have Robert Woods at seven Cooper Cup at 13 in my preliminary (laughs) rankings by the way on that note Check our rankings. They'll change throughout the week. It's only yeah. Wednesday we record this because we want to get the Thursday game in, get our thoughts out, keep up with our Twitter, our rankings. But on that note, so we both think Woods and Cup are gonna eat. Yes. Um I have him at sixteen, uh, Cup eight Woods. Van Jefferson and Josh Reynolds kinda just split time. Yeah. Uh I feel like it's just we can't do anything with them until Van Jefferson eventually takes over for Josh Reynolds. Yeah. Which will likely happen at some point. Van Jefferson actually made a pretty nice catch on the sideline. Uh, Not the best start of the season for Tyler Higbee. Let me tell you this. But not the worst. For the people who are hating all over Tyler Higbee, 90% of the snaps he was on the field compared to Gerald Everett's 33. So much for the Gerald Everett's better. Gerald Everett's the real starter. ADP value. Oh, yeah. ADP value. Guess what? Higbee had a pretty bad game overall, but the Rams ran the ball. 40 damn times. That's not happening every single week. They're not just going to run the ball 40 times. Tyler Higbee was a huge part of that offense. He was on the field all the time. And he caught three of his four targets. Like, if you're down on Tyler Higbee after last week, I don't know what to tell you. I just, that's dumb. Also, Logan Thomas last week, the Washington football team's tight end, four catches, 37 yards, touchdown and people love Logan Thomas now. I agree, Tyler Higbee, I'm keeping dude, as long and as you he's, bring up Logan Thomas because it's the same matchup as Higbee this week. Yeah. yeah. As long as Tyler Higbee is getting that many snaps, I'm firing him up happily as a tight end one. Yeah, I mean, everyone watched the Sunday night game or at least probably watched it or if they didn't, I guess we could tell you, but Higbee was very much involved. Yeah. The um strangest thing about Sunday night Malcolm Brown Mm -hmm. He saw 16 third-down snaps. Akers saw one. Henderson saw one. Malcolm Brown also got the goal line work. You always say receptions are 2.7 times more um, valuable than valuable than a rush in fantasy. So he got those looks, and he also got the goal line looks. He did. Who cares about the other stuff? Right now, Malcolm Brown... He's the guy you want to start in this backfield. Yeah, I mean, he had five red zone looks. Akers saw one, and this this is more so against Akers. Henderson had 6% of the snaps. Two were in the red zone. Two red zone rushes. Not great for Cam Akers. Like, that the yeah. fact that that was two of Daryl Henderson's snaps. But the thing that scares me a little bit is that Sean McVay, after the game, said they all want to get... He wants them all to be involved. He wants Daryl Henderson to be more involved, and he was just working him back in because of the injury... And it just kind of fell into Malcolm Brown being the lead guy because he looked the best that game. Those are scary situations because we've seen games like Malcolm Brown turn into the next guy up has a better game the next week because he started hot. So, I mean, Malcolm Brown is definitely the guy to start of the bunch right now, though. I have Malcolm Brown as my 30th running back. I might move him up. He's just he's tough to grade for man. me. 23, huh? I mean, I have him well over acres and... um. And Henderson. I mean, I'm not starting Henderson. Akers is more of a desperation flex, in my opinion. I think yeah. Malcolm Brown is the play. I just—I don't know how to— It's about what I just, just said. Look, Malcolm Brown doesn't need the 21 touches. A Rams running back doesn't need 21 touches to be relevant. But it's also—like, I think this is going to be— because we were talking about Woods, Cup, Higby, Goff, too, I like this week. I think this is going to be through the air. Because the Eagles' defense, they looked solid last week in Washington. Like we said, Who cares? They excelled against the rush against Washington and they excelled against the rush all of last season. Like that was their defense. Excelling against the rush. So that's why I think it's gonna be more of an air raid from the Rams this week, not the forty rushes that we saw last week. So that's why I think Goff has streaming appeal. Woods Cup and Higby are great starts. I'm I'm scared off from and uh, with all the running backs. I, I agree with Jared Goff. I like him as a start this week as well. He didn't do too bad against Dallas last week. That was an interesting Sunday night game, just like in a, as a football game. Like, it was. I feel like both offenses looked a little rusty. They didn't. They weren't that bad, but they weren't scoring. I feel like the Rams offense, like, they should have scored way more than 20. I was kind of like, confused by the fact, I mean, they kicked a lot of field goals. Jared Goff went 20 for 31 and 275 passing yards. If he threw for one touchdown, he would end up with 16 fantasy points. Goff actually looked pretty damn good in my opinion, uh, week one. They just happen to use the ground game a lot. I also think that the Rams version of Ryan Gosling is a decent start this week. All right. I have him at quarterback 15 if you need to stream. Moving on over to the Eagles. Yeah. Carson, Carson Wentz, Wentz, the story of the week, obviously. It was sacked eight times last week. Look, the Eagles before the season started, Andre Dillard, Brandon Books, Brooks basically out the year. Lane Johnson, at least, is expected out is expected back this week. As is Miles That's a nice. And we all know that a good running back could help with a bad offensive line. How concerned should we be with, what's his face, Aaron the Beast Donald coming into town? I mean, Aaron Donald's the best D-lineman in the game. I don't even think it's close at this point. The dude's an absolute monster. But as it's always been with the Rams... They kind of just have him on the line and not much else around him. So I'm not super scared away by it, especially because Sanders should be used on the ground as well. I mean, through the air as well. Like we saw, the reason I'm so high on Sanders is because, first off, we saw that Boston Scott is not a direct threat to Miles Sanders. Please. Like Boston Scott did not look good at all. He missed some time with an injury. Corey Clement did not look good at all. I expect Sanders, he practiced in full today, to get a full, full workload. He's going to play like 70% of the snaps, mm-hmm. easily in my opinion. And I think they're going to try to use him quick passes out of the shotgun, quick passes, quick swing passes, things of that sort. Because, dude, once struggled against Washington. He got sacked eight times. Yeah. And, like, he did, though. He led the NFL last week in yards per attempt, air yards per attempt, and the average depth of target. So was he just holding on to the ball too long? Like, what was going on with Carson Wentz there? If so, if he has that guy like Miles Sanders to dump it off to rather than taking the sack, you can see Miles, Tan- Miles Sanders with like six or seven receptions. Because he was trying to go downfield. He hit Rager downfield, Ertz, Goddard. Goddard caught up a few passes downfield. He hit d for a couple 20-yard gains. If he's going to keep trying to go downfield, he's going to need someone to dump it off to. Boston Scott and Corey Clement did not do that last week. I think Miles Sanders absolutely will. I'm with you. I think it's going to be a Sanders game all the way. And then before we get to the tight ends, because I think the tight ends are going to be involved as well. I don't love any of the wide receivers this week. Uh, With um, Jalen Ramsey on the outside. Deshaun Jackson, very inconsistent week one. Yeah. Jalen Regor is a rookie who's never went up against anyone as good as Jalen Ramsey and only caught one of his four targets. Greg Ward was a little invo- involved. Ortega Whiteside continues to look like a bust. If it was up to me, Jackson and Regor are my favorites to put in flexes. It's not a bad idea to stay away from them. Yeah, I'm okay with staying away from the pass catchers as well. I, I do agree that Regor's the one I'm most interested in. Cause he's a flex play, low floor, very high upside. Because he was going deep, like he was just going deep last week against, um, against Washington. He caught that huge pass, the forty-five yarder. He had another one that once just overthrew him on. He almost had a hundred yards and a touchdown on two catches last week. But like you said, going up against Jalen Ramsey and company, not the easiest matchup. Plus, he we did, watched the though, game. The, uh, the Rams were getting beat by the Cowboys on. Short routes. Yeah. And Mark Cooper I've was never feasting Cooper. on slants and stuff of that Cooper sort. Cooper, yeah. right? And, all, like, he was an offense like that with the Mark Cooper. But, I mean, maybe that's the Mike McCarthy effect. But, Rager led the Eagles wide receivers in snap count. Like, he had 40 snaps, d 38, Ward 30, J-John Hightower under 30. So, I mean, like, as a week one guy who was supposed to not play for, like, two weeks because of injury, as a rookie, it was very impressive. So, he's someone I'm definitely interested in going forward I just don't really want to trust him this week I think the main benefactors of course are going to be Ertz and Goddard Mm -hmm. I mean Ertz played 85% of the snaps had the touchdown sure he didn't look like people are mad scared away because Dallas Goddard we've heard this before but yeah he had seven targets and he had the touchdown Goddard played 79% of the snaps so they were basically playing two tight end sets the whole time 18 in the slot or out wide eight targets in at least, excuse me, eight targets at least in four straight games dating back to last season. That's their wide receiver one and two, Ertz and Goddard. So I feel like Ertz, you're absolutely starting. Goddard, I think, is a very good start as well. I'm fine firing both of them up. I agree. Uh, Those are their top two wide receivers at the moment. Um, Perhaps Miles Sanders being back may take a few targets away from, if I had to pick one, probably Goddard. But at this point, even though I'm a big not-really-Goddard guy, I think he's a good start. He's the second option in the passing game for Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz, when he's not on his ass, is a very good quarterback. Yeah. And Hurts and Goddard each had the red zone looks last week as well. The next game brings us to the highest total in Vegas this week. Shock. Expected to be the highest game. The Falcons at the Cowboys. Listen, let's start with the Cowboys. Start them. Start Everyone. This is a game where, like, I don't think we're going to take long on this game because start everyone. If you want to start with the Cowboys, we'll start with the Cowboys. Seattle scraped Atlanta last week. Dallas is likely to score early. And what I love about teams like Atlanta is that they have a bad defense, so Dallas is likely to score early. But then Atlanta's offense is good enough to score points, too. So Dallas isn't going to be able to let up. Yeah, this could be, like, one of those 42-40 to type games. Yeah, So Dak Prescott's a great start. He showed out pretty well in week one, used his legs. You love to see it. Ended up with, give me a sec, 30 rushing yards and a touchdown. His passing could have been a little bit better, but that'll come. He has three great weapons, especially against the Falcons' defense. Yeah. All of the wide receivers basically played the same snaps in 11 personnel. And the Seahawks' wide receivers, DK, Lockett, and company, Saw only 18 targets last week. Turned that into 15 catches, 229 yards. Yeah, I mean, I think Cooper... I have Cooper in my top 10. I have Gallup in my top 20. Lamb in my top 36. Dude, and now with no Blake Jarwin? Blake Jarwin is out the year. He hurt himself Sunday night. Their backup Schultz is not a real threat. Delton Schultz. We are on the train of... We didn't even think Jarwin is going to be that relevant this year. We were definitely not on that hype train. Yeah. Dude, CD Lion played 82% of the snaps. First game as a rookie, 54 of 59 in the slot, 15% target share. What more can you ask for as a first game as a rookie? And I do not think that's going to change. I mean, it's this is basically the Sean McVay offense from like three years ago, two years ago when it was Cook's... Uh, Cup, and Robert Woods on the field basically all the time. All his wide receiver twos every week. Yeah, that's basically what's going on here with the Cowboys, I think. I'm very happy. It's like, it's basically Jordy, Devontae, and Cobb. Yeah, that too. And yeah, Mike McCarthy has used three wide receivers in the past. I mean, you're starting Zeke, obviously. The five red zone looks 88% of snaps. If you thought Tony Pollard was going to have standalone value, because there were some hooligans out there who thought that, could not be more wrong. He played 14% of snaps. was just the clear spell back. So you obviously can't start Pollard. But, dude, fire up the Cowboys. And dude, honestly, I was going to say, like, fire up all the Cowboys. Chris Carson had two receiving touchdowns last week. Dan Quinn is notoriously bad about blocking or receiving running backs. Zeke is going to eat. I wouldn't even be surprised if Taylor uh, Pollard caught a touchdown. Yeah, I Like, that's how bad either, I think this game's going to go. Don't start Hawkins. Pollard, though. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> All right, moving on to the other side. I'll let you talk about the wide receivers. They all saw 12 targets last week. I'll let you talk about Gurley. I want to get to Ryan and Hurst. Ryan, just because I have a fun quote. Garbage time. Matt and Hurst or Ryan and Hurst? Ryan and Hurst. Okay. Matt Ryan works 60% of the time, every time. (laughs) That's how I feel about Matt Ryan. You think it's going to be a bad week, and then you realize the Falcons are losing – and he just racks up the garbage time points. You look over, he has 25 points. That's true. Tis true. So, and I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, which means by default, even though he's on the road, I think Matt Ryan's going to a good play. Yeah, I was playing against Julio and Ridley, so uh, through the third quarter, I was like, nice. And then, wow, that did not work out. Let me touch yeah. on the Cowboys' defense without Byron Jones, too, is clearly not the same. Exactly. They don't have Byron Jones. Julio Ridley gauge all the twelve targets last week. Gurley had some targets. Hayden Fudge and Hurst. Let me tell you, man. He had four targets. Hayden Hurst? Yeah, yeah, four. Only three catches in a game where Matt Ryan threw a gazillion bajillion times. Forty five to be exact. And now, let me tell you. Literally, this is it for me with Hayden Hurst. The Dallas Cowboys, Sean Lee is injured. Leighton Van Esch is now injured. Yep. The Dallas Cowboys were the fourth worst team against a tight end last year. Their two best tight end blocking people are out. You can start Hayden Hurst this week if you want. I have him ranked at 16. It's a very good matchup. I don't love him. I never did. He barely got work last week. If he does not show up in this game... He's droppable. I mean, I don't hate it. Hayden Hurst is someone we've been fading all season. This is a big game for him, though. This is a huge game for him to see if he shows up. He I, didn't have any red zone looks last week, despite the fact that they were there often. I mean, Todd Gurley had five red zone looks himself. Ido Smith had two. Julio had one. Ridley had four. Gage had two. There was a lot to go around in that offense. Hayden Hurst was not involved there. If Hayden Hurst is involved today, maybe he'll end up being a tight end one this year. Sunday. If he's not, I legitimately think he's droppable. Like, I think that's how important this game is for Hayden Hurst. Yeah, I mean, you're obviously firing up Julio and Ridley. I've them both in my top 12 this week. Russell Gage, 23% target share, 70% of snaps. If this is another Coop, Gallop, Lamb type situation where all three are on the field a lot, I mean, dating back to last season since Sanu left, Gage is averaging 7.8 targets per game. He had two red zone looks. He's someone we were... you. You got me on the bandwagon. So we were touting him all the way since, back, like, back in May. Our first best ball draft in May, we have Russell Gage in the 28th round. Yeah. So that's glorious. And then, honestly, I think Todd Gurley cemented himself as a RB2 this year. The The one concerning thing was that he played 46% of the snaps. Hill played 27, Smith played 25. But he had 19 It's true. Touches. When he was there. The other running backs touches. had 9. Yeah. This game got out of hand pretty quickly. He had 14 rushes. He had five targets. Yeah, that wasn't a I'm concerned this week type of thing. That was a keep an eye on it. Definitely fire him up this week. Yeah, I like I like him a lot. Now, before we get to the next game, Michael, mm. I have to tell you about something. Ooh. This wonderful thing called Party Belts, <laughs> the official championship belt of Brodo Fantasy Football. Yes. This is a great product, people. Literally, that's all I need to say. If you don't believe us... It's like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. One of the coolest (laughs) things ever. If you don't believe us, go to PartyBelts.com. If you still don't believe us, go to Etsy. Look up Championship Belts. And you will see Party Belts as one of the best sellers. People love this thing. Go read the reviews. It is just super cool. It's good quality. It's one size fits all. It holds beers. It's customizable. And the best part, man... $35 $35 to customize it Absurd. and get it. Usually these like fantasy football trophies are like 200 bucks, especially if you want it like customizable. It's Use crazy. code brodo, $30. You get 15% off with code brodo that'll basically cover your shipping. If you're in a 10, 12, 14 man league, it's literally less than a price of coffee and you all get a dope prize. I cannot wait to I we're going to get one of these for our home league probably. I've been trying to we got, we got them for our patron league We champions. got these for our patron leagues. Like, I'm trying to rock this as many times as I can. I'm trying to walk into our live draft next year with some beers on my side. Like, what's up? I'm the champion. It's great. And that thing is, those beer holders are super sturdy. I was not expecting that. Yeah, it's really a great product. To be that, like, high quality. Partybelts.com. Code Broto for 15% off. The official championship belt of Broto Fantasy Football. Moving on to our last four games of this podcast before we cover the next eight in the next one. We have the Panthers at the books. Okay. Teddy Bridgewater is fucking buns. Dude, I've, I'm like, obviously we do a lot of fantasy research from like Monday to Wednesday and throughout the whole week, but like to prep for this, we do a whole lot of research and I just saw a bunch of people like talking up Teddy Bridgewater about having like a good game. Like, holy moly. Against Las Vegas with a 75 yard touchdown catch and run from Robbie Anderson. That saved him. That saved him. Yeah, he was so ridiculously mediocre game manager, Teddy Bridgewater, that we've come to know. Dude, it was a shootout, basically. He threw it 34 times for surprisingly 270 yards because of the 75 yard catch. Yeah. One touchdown. Like, if you don't understand that Teddy Bridgewater is just a boring game manager at this point, like, what else is there to it? Let me ask you something, because Christian McCaffrey played 97% of the snaps. That's still there. 23 rushes, 96 yards, 2 touchdowns, 3 receptions, 38 yards on 4 targets. Yeah. Are you concerned about Christian McCaffrey not being as involved in the passing game? Not yet. Uh, He did have 6 red zone looks as well, which is great. Yeah, I think... It's going to be a little concerning if he's not as involved. He's not going to be that clear Christian McCaffrey's number one guy, boom, every single week. Look, this is a Matt Rule. But I'm being Joe Brady, new offense. Four targets isn't bad for a running back in his first ever game in this system. Christian McCaffrey would like to see 10 targets. He did have 23 rushes, though. Like, if he's getting looked, he's going to be a stud. He was the second overall running back last week. And when you draft him as the first overall player, you love that. Yeah. So I'm not concerned at the moment. Yeah. I mean, what I about Michael? Look, Carlton Davis was PFF seventy grade last season, not too bad. Jamel Dean as well on the Bucs. These those are the two running uh, cornerbacks on the Bucs. Are they going to stop DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel? DJ Moore did have two end zone targets last week, even though he didn't catch either of them. Yeah, he could have had two touchdowns. And he was involved, a lot of people were scared away from DJ Moore after he went 4-for-54. Like, yo, guys, chill. Like, he had a couple, like, two, three-catch games last season with Kyle Allen. He still had nine targets. Like you said, he still had the, a couple of red zone looks. And guess what? Robbie Anderson's not going to catch a 75-yard touchdown every week. Right? Like, he out-targeted Robbie Anderson. Anderson had eight targets, which is kind of frustrating. But, I mean, DJ Moore was still the main guy. And I still think DJ Moore is far and away the best wide receiver, just athletically the most gifted receiver. Like I, I'm a huge, huge fan of DJ Moore as a player. 26% target share, the red zone look, 87% of snaps. Robbie played 82, Samuel 75. So they were doing a lot of three-man sets. But I mean, I'm not nervous about DJ Moore. He's going up against Tampa Bay. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with him. I I have him as a wide receiver one uh, this week right on the Right on the edge, wide receiver 13 in my rankings. If he doesn't have a good game here, maybe you could start getting a little concerned. But I like DJ Moore a lot this week. I'm cool with that. I just want to stress concern, not a warning about trusting Robbie Anderson. Yep. Uh, Look, if he didn't have a 75-yard touchdown catch, he would have ended with 40 yards, five catches, which is fine. But are you going to bank... On Teddy Bridgewater, connecting with a deep threat every week. Also, Dean, the uh, Jamal Dean, the wide receiver, runs a 4-3. Cornerback, runs a 4-3. So he could keep up with Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is the speed guy. I I mean, to me, it's as simple as that. If you are trusting a deep threat in a Bridgewater-led offense against a cornerback that can keep up with Robbie Anderson, good luck. Yeah, I just feel like Robbie Anderson... Had the week that he's gonna have maybe three or four times this season, Max. It just happened to be week one, so people yeah. are excited about it. Mm-hmm. And then Curtis the th- Samuel also saw eight targets. Curtis Samuel sucks, though. Exactly. Curtis Samuel con- continues to be a potential overperformance type of yeah. Guy. Don't don't worry about Curtis Samuel, please, and don't start Curtis Samuel. The tight ends is if you were an Ian, Ian Thomas stand during the off season, you got to be a little a little upset. He played sixty six percent of the snaps. Man Hurts played 54%. So, I'm like, they were on the field together man a lot. Hurts. But, like, Thomas was also sitting for Man Hurts at many times. So If I you mean, don't want don't your Man, man hurts. Thomas, he had two catches and two targets. He was not super involved, and I do not expect that to increase, really, going forward. If you don't want your Man Hurts, go to MassCape.com. Use code <sighs> Brodo for 20% off <laughs> and free shipping. Yeah, so for the uh, Panthers, CMC and DJ Moore are the only people I'm okay with starting. Yeah, Robbie is more of a desperation flex, in my opinion. All right, moving on to the Bucks. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite streamers this week. If Derek Carr can light you up, Tom Brady can light you up. Yep. It has to be as simple as that, dude. That Henry Ruggs 55 yard catch. If you didn't see it, there was no one around him. Yeah, you know, like he could have took a nap, could have ate some salad, he could have cut himself an avocado. He was that <laughs> wide open with no one around him. That Panthers defense was bad. And the Raiders aren't good. Nope. So, Tom Brady, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, OJ Howard, Gronk, against this Panthers defense, like, they're not going to keep up with them. I think Tom Brady is going to light it up. Yeah. Especially after getting, like, a little beef with Bruce Arians. I'm sure Brady's going to want to ball out. I'm also shocked. That, yeah, I'm starting Tom Brady, too. The thing I'm more shocked about is Mike Evans ranking because uh, Arians came out and said, like, dude, we got to get Mike Evans more involved. That was, he has to see like 10 targets a game. We didn't throw to him enough. And he's going up against Carolina. Like, dude, there's a difference between going up against New Orleans and Marshawn Lattimore last minute off of an injury and then having a week and going up against Carolina with Pride and Jackson and Burris, That just a terrible, terrible trio of cornerbacks and he played 93% of the snaps against New Orleans. So he's good to go. Yeah. Like, whatever the injury was, clearly wasn't that bad. He had the red zone look. He scored the touchdown, which kind of saved his day. I think it's ridiculous. He's being... uh He's like a low-end wide receiver 2 right now in rankings. I have him at wide receiver 14. I think he could have a huge day. And I have Chris Godwin as wide receiver 4. I think they both could go absolutely in this week against Carolina. I think like it's a little weird. It's like Mike Evans was low in rankings last week. It's because no one expected him to play, and he was playing hurt. Yeah. Uh I don't know why. I agree. You know, he's a top 12 option against Carolina. Yeah. And so is Godwin. Scotty Miller's also interesting. He played 61% of the snaps had a red zone look. Was super involved. Maybe some of that had to do with Mike Evans being more of a decoy if he was playing with the injury. But if he becomes like a a little bit of a Julian Edelman type guy, he could get he could get interesting. I think he's a interesting flex play this week because of how bad the Panthers are. But let me tell you something though. If Rojo does not have a good week this week, I do not want to hear a single person ever talk about Rojo again. So Rojo is your Hayden Hurst. Rojo is my Hayden Hurst (laughs) because, look, even if we don't want to admit it, Ronald Jones was super involved in that offense last week. And was that maybe because Leonard Fournette's still earning the system? Who knows? Maybe it's just because Ronald Jones is actually the guy. Like, he played 47% of the snaps, which isn't great. Shady played 36. Fournette played 13. That's percentage of snaps. Shady was stealing some passing work. Had two red zone looks himself. Not great for Ojo. But Ojo had three red zone looks, six targets, 17 rush attempts. He's He was the guy week one. If that carries over into week two, and he does not have a huge game against Carolina, who Josh Jacobs just absolutely demolished, and they were demolished over and over last season on the ground with a better defense than they have now, I don't know what to tell you, man. I have Rojo as my RB nineteen this week. Super high for Rojo. Yeah, I'm honestly if he scared doesn't that end that high, that's just ridiculous with the matchup. I'm scared that Fournette's gonna have a larger role this week. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't like, be shocked Fournette if Fournette was wasn't a very either. good in Jacksonville, man. But he was decent, and he's better than Rojo. He's he's an interesting. Desperation flex piece for net. If he does get a bigger role, you couldn't ask for it to be against a better team than Carolina. And LaShawn McCoy played 25 snaps too. Yeah, I'm a little. It's. I get it. Rojo is kind of a RB2 this week. Just not a good feeling doing it. He has some huge upside if he remains the main guy. And then in the tight end landscape, OJ Howard had six targets, Rob Gronkowski had three. Gronk did play seventy seven percent of the snaps though, so he was he was still like the starter guy. But I mean, we've been fading Gronk all season, and I mean he's he's Gronk, but he's not Gronk. Yeah, and if they're sharing targets, then yeah, I mean, and his his reception, like I saw him catch a ball, and he just he's like slow now, and like he's just not the regular old Rob Gronkowski. But like we should have already know, we did already already know that. Just some of the fantasy community just didn't want to believe it. With that said, all right, remember when I said start everyone in Falcons-Cowboys? Is this going to be quick? Mm-hmm. Sit er- Not everyone, but sit basically everyone in 49ers-Jets. This is going to be quick. Look, the thing I hate much so much about the 49ers, I'm going to start with the 49ers, is because they're playing against the Jets, who looked absolutely atrocious against Buffalo, and they don't really have a wide receiver you could trust at the moment. Yeah. Like, you're not going to start Brandon Ayuk, who practiced again, who's going to play. More than likely, like, very likely he's going to play. You're not going to start Brandon Ayuk, his first game. Kendrick Bourne was in a dream spot last week. He didn't play very good. Like, Debo Samuel's on the IR, so he's not going to play. And don't even get me... Dude, if you drafted George Kittle, man, and you saw Arizona, New York the first two weeks, for him to get hurt against Arizona when he had four catches 50 yards... In a minute. Yeah, literally the first quarter. Like, it was like that, and it was like, wow, Kittle's going to explode today. This guy gets hurt, and now he might dismiss miss this game too. If he plays, you have to start him. Absolutely. I do want to say, though, because I skipped over, Trent Taylor is the interesting dart throw for me. Because, look, Bourne played 92% of snaps. Dante Pettis, 73. Trent Taylor, only 34. But he's coming off, like, an injury-laden season last year. He's someone they liked. He had three red zone looks despite playing only 34% of snaps. So they were looking for him down there. I would not be shocked if Trent Taylor puts up a four-catch, 45-yard touchdown type game. Like, I'm not saying start Trent Taylor, but if you're really looking for a dart throw, like if you got destroyed by injuries or something, Trent Taylor is someone I'd consider. But yeah, you're starting George Kittle as long as The money as he's for San Fran... Comes on the ground. Raheem Mostert last week ran 22.73 miles per hour. Fastest player since 2018. Raheem Mostert's the man. Do you know who he beat in this race of fastest player? Matt Breida. Matt Breida. Former 49er. He did it as a 49er. Don't test me, bro. Come on now. Mostert played 37 snaps last week. He only had two games all of last season with more. Boom, baby. 60% of the snaps for Mostert. It may have been because Coleman wasn't playing because of the altitude. I mean, not the altitude. The um, wildfires. Um, shout out everyone in California. Hope you're staying safe and all that. Yeah, Tevin Coleman said he might not play it. And he only played 10% of the snaps. You got to think it had a lot to do with that. Only thing, though, McKinnon was the third down back. McKinnon not only had five targets, five red zone looks. And he was basically Is on the field. Is he going to be the red zone down. guy? Like, if he's going to be the red zone guy, that's certainly not great for Mostert and Coleman. But And, dude, the Jets, we said it last week Singletary and Moss really aren't that great of plays. Like Moss caught a touchdown because the Jets gave Josh Allen like 70 minutes to throw. And then he ended up finding Moss. Otherwise, he sucked. Nine for 11 on the ground. Singletary struggled just as much. And the Jets, as much as we want to shit on them, they have just been the best run defense in the league for like over a year now, basically. So Raheem Oster, I like him this week. I think people who just see the Jets might like him more than I do. Mm-hmm. But I do think I do still think he's a solid running back too because he's involved in the passing game as well. The Jets aren't great defending the pass catching running backs; they're just great against the run generally. And this could get ugly and lead to a game where the Niners run like forty times. So because most are- of the Jets' prowess against the run, though, am I crazy for thinking Jet McKinnon's kind of an interesting flex play? I don't think you're crazy. It is. I'm just scared that Tevin Coleman's going to eat into his snaps now, now that they're not playing in San Fran. That's definitely something to watch. They're not playing in San Fran, right? They're playing. Yeah, they're they're at at the Jets, yeah. Yeah, but McKinnon had five targets, man. He did, but so did Mostert. And Mostert had the, like, 75-yard touchdown. McKinnon was the third down back, though. I mean, no denying that. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Coleman, because if Mostert's the... Running back on most first and second downs. He doesn't need to be a third down back to excel on a Shanahan offense. That's true. Is that it for this game? To the Jets. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, we got to talk about the Jets. Look, the Jets allowed... The Jets did so much this offseason to try to help the offensive line. They allowed forty. They allowed pressure 44% of the time last week. And now nah, Le'Veon so Bell upsetting. is on the at least three weeks IR. This new I'll tell game you this, though. Makai Becton actually played well. That left side, Mekhi Becton and uh, and Alex Lewis actually graded out very well in PFF. It was the right side that really struggled. Fant, of course, who so right everyone side, was concerned about. Right side, wrong side. But let me tell you this. You're not starting Gore or Adams. I don't care that Gore was named the starter. Do not start them against San Fran. In the second half, 25 snaps. Adams played 13, Gore played 12. Like, you do not want a split of those two scrubs against the 49 yeah, and this is Josh Adams, for those who don't know that Josh Adams is now on the... Yeah, Jets. wouldn't blame you for not knowing that. Brashad Perriman. Look, Richard Sherman just went on IR. The Jets are going to be trailing. As ugly as last week was, he's not lined up against Tredavious White this time around. And he played 100% of the snaps. Jesus. 100. Ran a route on every single possible passing play that the Jets threw. He did have five targets as well. He did. Three receptions. He's someone I don't hate, as crazy as it sounds, as a desperation flex play. You know what, man? With Richard Sherman out, who's also on the at least three-week IR that the NFL implemented, just like Le'Veon Bell, you're kind of wooing me. Mm -hmm. Um, No doubt, though, that the actual Jets wide receiver that you probably want to start instead, Jameson Crowder. Jameson Crowder just came up on the injury report, though. 13 targets last week, though. 39% 39% target share. Had a red zone look as well, which aligns with... They only, they only went into red zone once, the Jets, that is. Aligns with Adam Gase's offense. He likes to target the slot guy in the red zone. Chris Hogan played 91% of the snaps, man. Jesus. Yeah, what the fuck is up with that, man? Chris Herndon, 71% of the snaps, 21% target share. Was in the slot or out wide, almost a quarter of his snaps. So if he's going to be used like that, he's going to be an interesting play like a lot of people were on Chris Herndon we were as a as a late tight end option and he didn't have a great week one but he had a solid fourth quarter like he lost the fumble but I mean he he was basically doing nothing the entire game ended with six catches for 37 yards like he was involved near the end the 49ers are a tough matchup so I'm not going to start him but if he gets dropped after the 49ers matchup he's someone you could keep an eye on I just hope Gates doesn't hold him back because Herndon played in only 21 of 44 passing plays last week, but saw eight targets. Hmm. sort of like a Mark Andrews type That's situation. like a 40% target share when he's on the field for a passing play. Yeah. That's all you need. He just needs to be on the field more. Yeah. We now head to Pitt for Big Ben to make his return home. Pittsburgh. I'm just going to get right to it. I think it's going to be an ugly game for Denver. The Steelers blitzed the Giants 61% of the time last week. They have T.J. Watt, Cameron Hayward, St- Stephen Tuit, Bud Dupree. Daniel Jones was pressured more than any other NFL quarterback last week. That is an absurd defense that the Steelers roll out there every week, man. Like, I don't... The only person I like on this team this week is Melvin Gordon. And that's if um, Philip Lindsay's out. Because... Interesting enough, they just held Barkley to six yards on fifteen rush attempts. Yeah, but this is a, <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. But playing time wise, Phil Lindsay, Lindsay's out. Oof. Lindsay played nineteen snaps to Melgo's fifteen when they were on the field. The thing that I like Melgo for this week, Lindsay played more rushing snaps, Gordon played more passing snaps. He had three targets. When Lindsay went down, Melgo had a twenty two to six split with Freeman. Let me tell you this though. Freeman only played 10% of the snaps. Played six of 28 after Lindsey went down, so about a quarter. He nearly scored a touchdown. He had two red zone looks and got tackled at, like, the one. That would suck if you're a Melgo owner. Like, if Royce Freeman's dead ass going to mix in near the red zone, like, hopefully it was just because, you know, Melgo needed a breather. They can't have that bullshit. Like, if Royce Freeman's going to steal work down there. I don't think it will. It's just something to to I think was worth noting, at least. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know, man. Melgo's been a volume play his entire career. All he has to do with the amount of volume he's going to see is hit the end zone, and he's going to be a high-end RB2. I agree. I have him ranked as an RB2. If Lindsay was playing, I'd have them both have as flex plays that I'd probably avoid. But, I mean, in this situation, as good as Pittsburgh D is, if he's the main guy in that backfield, he's going to see like at least 70% of the snaps. So. Yeah, if Lindsay plays, I don't like anyone on this team. Yeah, and that brings me to the wide receivers. This will be Cortland Sutton. We don't know if he's going to play yet. He was at practice today. Still um, questionable. And if he does play, it's going to be his first game of the year. Injured. Going up against a great defense. So I have Sutton as wide receiver 31 right now. TBD. Obviously, look back to see what the injuries and things of that sort. The thing is with the Steelers, their defense is amazing. Don't get me wrong. Their corners aren't the greatest. Like Hayden and Nelson aren't the greatest cornerback bunch. They can be beat if they get time. That's the big if. Like if the if the line is able to give Drew Locke time, which I don't know if it's going to be able to. And I don't know if I trust Drew Locke. Yeah, and I don't know if I trust Drew Locke. Yeah, he did not play very well against Tennessee. But if they give him time, he'll be able to find Sutton downfield. I mean, Darius Slayton just went 102 on them. Sterling Shepard had a solid game. So, I don't, if Cortland Sutton returns, I, I do think he's going to be a solid wide receiver. Three. Jerry Judy, though, he looked every bit like a rookie at times last week, which was interesting when you think about the fact that everyone said this is the most NFL ready wide receiver like ever. He had two drops. Yeah. He played 75% of the snaps, less than Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton, who played 85 and 80 respectively, but he out targeted them. Patrick saw five. Deshaun is Deshaun. Judy saw eight targets. If Sutton's out, Judy's a flex play. If Sutton plays, I don't. I don't see how you could play Jerry Judy right, like against the Pittsburgh Steelers if Cortland Sutton returns. It'll be tough. I mean, he is the number two receiver on that team, though. And yeah, but he, he does have pick. talent. But I agree. Um, it's even tough to trust No. Fantasy Week. No, I agree. He played 73 percent of snaps. Had the red zone look. Had a touchdown. Six targets. He was by far their best receiving option. Disappeared after halftime, which was weird. He did disappear after halftime, which you don't like to see. Pitt just held Evan Ingram to a very sluggish game. But, I mean, Ingram could have had a bigger game if they just connected more. He was open in the end zone one time. So, I mean, Fant someone after the big week one. You're probably super excited about it. But I'd say temper your expectations a little bit. I agree. It's a fade game for no offense. And then Tim Patrick, DeShawn Hamilton, you're not touching those guys. No. Moving on to the other side of the ball. Yo, I love Big Ben this week. The Broncos played decently well against Tennessee, I guess. It could have been a lot worse. A lot worse. Like, if you see the fact that they only give up 16, was it? 16-14, I think the game ended or something. Mm -hmm. If you see that they only give up 16, you're like, oh, Denver defense played well. The Titans ran almost 80 plays. They were in Denver territory over and over Basically and every over and over. Stephen Koskowski missed 3 field goals and then finally hit a fourth one. If those were all touchdowns, which Tennessee was great, the best team in the league by far converting touchdowns in the red zone last year. Odd to see week 1 they struggled a little bit. Let's see if that becomes a problem for them. They but, scored too close. Uh, they scored a close touchdown. Yeah, uh, they, I'm not too concerned about that. But I mean that you Usually last year, once they got into the red zone, it was a touchdown if it was Tennessee. But, dude, if those were touchdowns instead of field goals, and they were missed field goals, it's almost 23 points. If those were touchdowns, that's 28 points instead of three. Yeah. Like, they only got three of those four possessions because three field goals were missed. That could have been an extra 28 points and like, a 40-point game by Tennessee. They had their way with Denver, man. So I agree. I think Pitt... Big Ben is a good... Von, look, Von streamer. Miller is a big player who is out right now. And Big Ben, after he was a little rusty to start, looked great. Had a connection with Juju just like he used to. Threw for three touchdowns. Had 22 fantasy points. He's going home. He hasn't played home in a while. He's been better in his career at home. I'm firing up Big Ben, man. Yeah, I don't I don't mind it at all. Big Ben is And a, when you look at his receiving options, you have to be happy with Deontay Johnson if you have him. Um, Awful start to the season. He dropped a punt right away. He's their punt returner. That was funny. But after that, he had 10 targets, caught six of them for 57 yards. The big thing, I'll go backwards here. James Washington had 37 snaps, Claypool 19. Deontay and Juju both had 55. They are both going to be on the field a lot. Yeah, those are the two main guys, clearly. And those are, like, they're going to get targets, man, because Ebron and Vance Refrigeration played a similar amount of snaps. They both only had two targets. I was saying all offseason when people were sucking off Eric Ebron, how do we know he's even going to play over Vance Refrigeration? Vance actually had the red zone look as well. Ebron did not. Had only two targets. If he were high on Ebron, it was a bit concerning to see that. So, yeah, Deontay Johnson, the thing that worries me, though, was the depth of targets. Like... Ten targets, and he ended with less than 60 yards. That's fine. So this was his first game back. He went six for 57. Big Ben's always been a fan of, like, screen passes. That's true. And then Juju, six for six, the two touchdowns. I saw people, like, saying that Deontay greater than Juju because he had, like, four more targets or something, as if Juju catching two touchdowns doesn't mean anything at all. I lost one of my matchups because of Juju. Yeah, Juju looked like regular old Juju again. Back to Big Ben Juju, the one that I loved so much. Two red zone looks, none for Deontay, one for Washington, who turned that into a touchdown, and one for Vance refrigeration through the air. And to note, um, last season when they played the Giants, Juju played 61% of his snaps in the slot. Sunday, uh, Monday, 91%. He is back to being the stud slot receiver where we love to see him. I have him as my wide receiver nine this week, actually, and Deontay Johnson... Wide receiver thirty three. I have Juju at eleven and Deontay at twenty five. Mm, like I love Deontay, me some. Nice. I would love the Steelers this week, man, because it's a funnel offense too. When you think about it, the tight ends didn't get much work. James Washington is going to be fool's gold. He scored a touchdown, but it was only three targets that he got. Chase Claypool made some amazing plays. He's probably going to start playing over Washington, and then if you look at the running back, let's just let's just make the running back simple. Start whoever the starter is. No. Yes, but, first of all, fuck out of here with this Benny Snell's better than James Conner stuff. Yeah. People have the shortest memories of all time. So oh, much recency by the Broncos. I don't know how we're, we didn't mention this, A.J. Boye is ruled out as well. Oh, yeah. Even more to love about the, the damn Steelers. Yeah. But when it comes to the running backs, James Conner played 15 of 22 snaps before he got hurt. Changed up a little bit when Benny Snell came in. The Steelers ran on 19 of the 26 snaps Snell played on. They passed on 19 of the 20 snaps Samuels played on. So Benny Snell doesn't have that same ceiling as Connor because they clearly don't really trust him as a pass catcher. They're bringing Jalen Samuels in more. But with that said, Connor and Snell, you're going to start them whoever the lead back is. And definitely look back at our rankings uh, later in the week to see once we get a clearer view on what's going on with James Conner. And on to the final game of this week one review and then, I mean week two review and then part two where we have the last eight games part two. Part, 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 part two. Jaguars at the Titans. Jaguars at the Titans. Dude, I just want to start this off by saying I don't think the Jaguars are that team where you say go pick up the defense and play them against them like they get that vibe clear but Minshew just does not turn the ball over he doesn't period I don't know what it is about him he just doesn't turn the ball over also average depth of target last week 4.6 lowest of all starters I mean he had 19 completions 19 of 20 177 passing yards I believe it was and then James Robinson ran the ball a million times James Robinson had 18 rushes 18 all of the rushes that they had so this is clearly a team that's trying to get the ball out quick. And they're trying to kill some clock. They're trying to use the running back. Yeah. I think the uh I think James Robinson is actually a solid flex here, man. I agree. I mean if how he's can he gonna not be, be that involved in the offense? And impressively, but also concerning, James Robinson of his sixty four yards, fifty seven were after contact. So one hmm. Very impressive for a UDFA to have that type of game. Two, excuse me, 57 of 62. Two, if he's going to have to get all of his yards after contact, it's not great for his fantasy outlook. Yeah. If he's going to be hit that early that often. So kind of a mixed bag there. But I do think he's a solid flex play given that he's, he's the guy. I mean, he played 68%. That's like almost bell cow type status. What is good about... What he did, though? 68% of snaps, of course. He only had one less pass route than Chris Thompson. Yeah. He had a target to Thompson's two targets. And Chris Thompson looks droppable now. Yeah. I'd I'd be absolutely okay with dropping Chris Thompson. I want to pull back the reins on anyone panicking about DJ Chark. He only had three receptions. One of them was a touchdown. And one of them was a decently long throw compared to what Minshew was doing the other day. Not for nothing, Rocky Asin played pretty well. That's what I was saying, that he was matched up by far with the worst. I mean, by far with the best cornerback, and I think the Jags just kind of decided, let's attack the bad cornerbacks. Because Rocky Asin is by far their best option. And Keelan Cole's not going to get eight targets a game. And with that being said, Adore Jackson has been ruled out as well. So the Titans are down their good cornerback. So DJ Chark, he's not going to have problems with what is it? Jonathan Joseph, nine hundred twenty-seven year old Jonathan Joseph. Yeah. Call it five targets, by the way. Um, someone or who's Malcolm interesting Butler, like flex play, LaVisca Chenault. He had four targets, he caught a touchdown. He also had two rushes, and he played a little bit of Wildcat quarterback. He also had a red zone look, which is nice to see. So like this is what he's done. He came right in, he stole Chris Conley's role, but then he's also gonna get some rushing work. He's gonna get some Wildcat work. He's like a jack of all trades. If he hits the end zone, you have a you have a solid good player. option. Yeah. I don't hate Chenault as a flex option. I, I don't love it, but I do think he has some upside against uh against Tennessee this week. I think that's it for the Titans, right? I mean the Jaguars. Uh Keelan Cole did play sixty six percent of snaps, so interesting. Twenty five percent target share, caught the touchdown. Let's keep it on Keelan Cole. If he starts playing, like if this is another three-headed type monster with the wide receivers, Keelan Cole could have some interesting flex appeal in the right matchups. And then Tyler Eifert shared snaps with James O'Shawn Hennessey, so James O'Shawn Hennessy. We don't got to worry about that there. Yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee. Tennessee. Moving on to Tennessee. Um, Like I said. You know I love Tennessee. Man. Like I said, Tennessee scored 16 last week. That shit could have been 40 easily. Like Ryan Tannehill made a few bad throws. Like there was an interception that was out of bounds and like he overthrew a, a player and such. But I mean, overall, a pretty solid game for Ryan Tannehill. I mean, like 70% completion percentage, um, uh, 68% completion percentage, it's not 70 249 yards, two touchdowns, and it could have been a lot better. Like at the end of the game, he had A.J. Brown in the end zone. And it was a mix of short-arming slash slightly overthrowing it. It was, it was a mix of both. Like, it was kind of A.J. Brown's fault, too. It wasn't all on Ryan Tannehill. We, of course, were higher than consensus on Tannehill last week. Put up 19 fantasy points. Solid week. Now he gets Jacksonville, a team that Phillip Rivers just threw for over 300 yards against. My concern with Tannehill is if they give the ball to Derrick Henry 40 times... Tannehill might not be able to produce as much. But I think this could be a 200-yard passing performance from Tannehill with three passing touchdowns, even maybe a rushing touchdown. I think it's a great streaming option. Like, people are saying, I mean, the Jags have one of the worst defenses in the league, and people are saying, you can't start Tannehill because they have Derrick Henry, who's just going to do all the work, as if they're not going to need to pass the damn ball as well. Yeah. Like, sign me up all day for Ryan Tannehill as a streamer. He just continues to be underappreciated. Week after week after week. I agree, and I'm firing up his weapons, man. Um, the two weapons that we like. So Corey Davis, don't fool for, don't fall for that. It's basically the Sammy Watkins game. Yo, real quick though, C.J. Henderson, ninth pick in the draft, had a tremendous game week one against Indy. Look, it was against Hilton. Like that's not A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's a completely different type of player. But I mean, he looked he looked great. He was actually the second ranked uh, PFF cornerback. Interesting. So, I mean, I hope A.J. Brown bounces back and Henderson doesn't lock him down. But it is it is interesting to note that Henderson played very, very good. Basically, the only player who was, like, good on that defense. Yeah. So, I did want to note, you're not starting Humphreys. Uh, Corey Davis, I'm not buying into that. A.J. Brown, don't be concerned with his week one. First of all, he had eight targets. He had five catches. Uh, three of Tannehill's final four throws at the end of the game went to A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown literally missed a touchdown by an inch in the back corner of the end zone. He either alligator armed it or Tannehill just overthrew him. It was a weird-looking play, yeah. but people will be a lot more excited if his line read 6-50-1 instead of 5-39-0. Yeah. So start A.J. Brown with confidence. Tannehill is a very efficient quarterback. Jonu Smith, too, man. 59 snaps is more than he had in any game last season. He had seven targets, turned it into 4-36-1. True throw value, man. If John U. Smith is seeing seven targets a game from Ryan Tannehill, he's a tight end one. Yeah, I mean, and he was uh, week one. So it's Adam Humphreys actually involved too, which is interesting. If he's going to be like a safety blanket, Derrick Henry has legitimate running back one overall potential. Last week, Colts running back scored over fifty points in PPR. Jeez, and Henry had thirty-one I'm rushes and Mac also had three targets and three receptions. Mm. That is awesome. If he starts getting more involved in the passing game, watch out. Eight red zone touches. Yeah. Like Derrick Henry, baby, fire him up. That is all for part one. We'll, we'll get we'll get you with part two. Uh, maybe I should have noted this at the beginning, but um, we are time stamping today. So if you do want to go back and listen to something before Sunday, just check out the description and you will see timestamps, um, making it easier for you listeners because we appreciate yeah. you. With that said, you can follow me at F Jason, Michael at brotofff Tim at at Brodo FF Tim. You can follow us at BrotoFantasy. BrotoFantasy.com, where we have rankings, waivers. True values are not out yet for 2020. We're going to wait a couple weeks to get that a little bit um sticky. An efficiency stat like this just looks a little crazy when there's not a little bit of a data set there. And then, yeah, listen for part two. And if you want to support us, please go to Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy. We have a wonderful wonderful community the discord is always great people help each other out they throw in questions and everyone gives answers um it's just a ton of fun we have leagues winners get a party belt partybelts.com honestly it's great so you get the waiver wire episode yeah thank you for listening see you for part two if it's rolling into the next one right part duh part week duh part duh, week duh